Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show with pastor and author Joe Schimmel, bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you will not hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he commanded in Ephesians 5.11. God states in his word that he would rise up ministries in the last days to do mighty exploits that would turn many to righteousness. Today's show is a message given by Pastor Joe Schimmel to his congregation at Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California. Now here with vital insights from God's word is pastor and author Joe Schimmel. I love 1 Peter 5, 5 through 7. It says, you younger men, likewise be subject to your elders and, and, uh, and, and all you do, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So we're supposed to cast our anxieties, our cares, our problems, our worries on the Lord. Cry out to him in prayer. Seek him because he cares about us. But to do that, we need to humble ourselves and say, you know what, Lord, I wasn't designed to handle this on my, my, my own. I was designed to give it to you, to love you, to worship you, to seek your face. That's huge, guys. Prayer. In fact, Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verses, uh, I don't know why I wrote 3, 1 through 3 down, but I believe it's 4, 6 through 8. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen? We have not because we ask not. Now, guess what? This, I, I, I cannot tell you how important this passage is. Because there are many people, many people that love Jesus, believe in Jesus, who end up worrying and being anxious, and fretting, and it steals their joy. Oh, what, what uh, peace we often forfeit, right? Oh, what needless burdens we bear, all because we do not what? Carry everything to Jesus in prayer. I don't even know if I quoted it exactly right. We need to sing that song again, worship team. It's been too long. Amen. That's a great song, man. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Amen. That's a good song, too. Man, and because we don't bring everything to him in prayer. So there are all kinds of Christians walking around, bummed out, depressed, carrying these burdens. And you talked about, Lord, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. They got all these burdens. It's like, you know, you can take those boulders off your back and give them to Jesus. I can, yeah, let's pray, man. Pray, and then they're lit up, they're excited, they're like, praise God, you know. And then you leave, you see him a week later. Oh, oh, what happened? I don't know. Well, wait, those boulders are back on your, your, your shoulders again. Come on, let's give them to the Lord. Oh, praise God. Whew, I feel so much better. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, guess what? When the next day comes, the next moment, the next time a burden comes, just begin praying to Jesus. Begin seeking him and casting your cares on him because he cares for you. It's awesome to know he cares for us, amen? And he wants us to cast our cares on him. So you know what? We have peace and joy when we pray. If you're not a prayer warrior, if you're not a person of prayer, you're not, no wonder you're not experiencing a lot of the joy of the Lord because you've got all these burdens and these worries that are built up and that you're constantly fretting, worried about this, that, and the other. And perpetual worry is sin, folks. 
We talk about sins of, you know, adultery and, and fornication and drunkenness and, and outrage, burst of anger, things of that nature. But you know what? We don't deal with the worries of sin too, folks. God doesn't want you going around day to day worrying. Worrying is basically saying, hey, what? Hey, you know, it's my life, not yours, God. And I got to take care of all this, you know? And, and it's a disobedience to cast our cares on him. Now, I'm not saying that every time you, oh, no, you're concerned about something, that's a sin. I'm, that's why I said perpetual worry. Continuing to worry without giving to the Lord is sin. And it keeps us from the joy of the Lord. We need to give everything to Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Number six, God's word is an incredible source of joy. Joy comes from the word of God. The word of God says, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. I have noticed that my brothers and sisters who spend a lot of time in the word typically have a lot of joy. In fact, I have brothers and sisters that send me scripture. They're rejoicing the Lord. They're happy. Check this scripture out. Or whatever. But I've noticed that those who stay, are in the word much will deal more with depression. But the word of God, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. 1 John 1.4 says, these things I, we write, that's the scripture, the word of God, we write, so that our joy may be made complete. God's word is written so your joy will be complete. That's why we're studying it this, e this morning, amen? Because God's created us to know him, to be joyful in him, and that's how we give God glory is by being joyful in him. Because when we rejoice in him, we're basically saying, God, you are awesome. You are everything. That's how you give God glory. It's when you don't rejoice in the Lord, you're saying, Lord, you're not enough, which isn't true. And that means our perspectives, our perspectives need to be tweaked. You see, his word is a light in the darkness. It's a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. That's what the scriptures say. That's how the world is. They're constantly lost in the dark without Jesus. They don't know the answers. But when we read the word, we have the light of life, it says. A lamp to our feet, a light to our path. And it brings great joy to have light in a dark world, amen? And sometimes we take these things for granted. I know today we take light, just to hit a switch for granted, don't we? We just take it for granted. We don't realize when the Bible says the word of God is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, how powerful that would have been to the people back in those days when they didn't have electricity. That's, those metaphors are so powerful. Like, wow, that's what the word of God is to us. We need to realize, we look at the word of God and we say, oh yeah, the word of God. We shouldn't say that. We say, praise God, we have his word. Praise God, we get to study it. Praise God, millions of people were, were negated the word of God. They were persecuted by the Roman Catholic Church during the dark ages. They couldn't even read their Bibles without being put to death. And Wycliffe, who translated the Bible into English, was, was they dug his body up and had him burned, thrown in, burned all over, you know, burned for the first time, I should say, because they were so upset he was giving people the word of God. Oh, there are very, very good reasons that we don't identify Catholicism with Christianity, folks. But you know what? We should rejoice in the word. People spilled their blood over and over again to keep the word of God available to others. Amen? There's joy in the word of God. In fact, I love Nehemiah chapter 8. See, the word of God was being read. Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, it says. Listen to this. He opened the book in the sight of all the people, the Levites helped the people to understand the law. So they had teachers helping them to understand the law. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense. So they read it, and they said, hey, this is what it's saying. So that the people understood the reading. It says a little further down, and all the people went their way. Well, what did they do when they went their way? It says a little further down, to make great rejoicing. To make what? Great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them, end quote. So when we read the word of God and we study it, it brings great joy. 
When it's taught and we go through the scripture and we come to a revelation, wow, look what God's saying to me. It should it rejoice the heart. How many of you experienced that? Where you're like, wow, praise God. I see what it's saying there. And God wants to bless me, you know, and he's a good God, you know. So the word of God, it says great rejoicing. So stay in the word, you guys. Stay in the word daily. Otherwise, you're in the dark. Amen? Amen. A day without the word of God is a day you've lived in the dark. And when you're not reading the word, chew on it, meditate upon it, ruminate the word. I did a whole message last Wednesday on how to apply the word of God to our hearts in regard to meditation. It wasn't just on meditating on the word, but that was a part of that message. I would encourage you to pick up Wednesday's message. A lot of people responded afterwards, got a lot out of that. So that would be a great message to listen to in light of the message I'm giving you right now. But in the midst of those verses I just read, guess what other verse comes up in Nehemiah chapter 8? Right in the middle, I skipped over it. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Check that out, man. The joy of the Lord is your strength. How is the joy of the Lord our strength? Well, in this context, the joy of the Lord came from hearing what the word said, hearing, seeing what it meant, understanding how to be in God's will, to be close to him. And that, that joy brought strength. How did that joy bring strength? Because the enemy comes by and he challenges us. He tries to get us to reject God's word and do his will. He tells us that disobedience is the key to joy. And when that happens, if you know God's word, like Jesus, you can say, it is written. And you are unmoved because the enemy wants to say, hey, you know what? This will make you happy. Just do this, you know? What do you do with Eve, you know? She saw that the fruit was good for eating. That it could make her wise. She thought she could become God. Satan lied to her. She partook of the forbidden fruit. And what happened? Did it bring a bunch of joy to her life? Just utter destruction, man alienation from God, hurt her relationship with her husband. She went back to the dust. So when Satan tries to tempt us, if we're in the word and we're seeking Jesus and we have the joy of the Lord, and the enemy says, hey, I can make you happy. Wait a minute. I'm already happy. I already have joy. Amen? You know, why would I go for your deal? That's a bogus deal because guess what? I have joy in the Lord and I don't need your happiness. Plus, your happiness isn't happiness anyway. Plus, I belong to God. He made me in the right thing to do. Whether I'm feeling a sense of happiness or not is to obey him because that's what matters most anyway. Amen? Number seven, creation. I love Job chapter 38. It says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who sets its measurements? Since you know or who stretched a line on it, on what were its bases sunk or what laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. All the sons of God shouted for joy over the creation. In Revelation, there's rejoicing over God's judgment and rejoicing over his creation by, by not just celestial beings, but by human beings, you know, in heaven and so forth. And guess what? We see a lot of supernatural things. Christians are involved in the miraculous. When a new baby is born, Nicolette just had her little little girl, you know, there's incredible rejoicing. When you see, for me, the mountains, the wilderness, just such joy, that's creation by God. And it's even been marred by man's sin and fall. But it's still, there's such beauty, there's such joy that we can derive from that. Isaiah 55, 12 says, for you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. I can't wait to the new creation in heaven, amen? You know, smiling flowers. I don't know what God has, but there's going to be a lot of really cool things, you know. You guys like flowers now, just wait. It's going to get crazy good. You're listening to The Good Fight Radio Show with pastor and author Joe Schimmel, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how they relate to family, culture, and the church. 
If you'd like to learn more about our life-changing resources such as They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll and The Submerging Church, check out our website at goodfightradio.org. Number eight, fellowship. Fellowship. Joy comes from fellowship with other believers who seek Jesus with you. This is huge key because I've noticed believers that get in less and less fellowship, they end up more and more depressed. Invariably, I've never seen it go the opposite direction. Never in my life. I've never seen that. But believers that are in fellowship, how many, come on, let's be honest. How many, you know, sometimes when you're like a little down or you're, you know, and you're like, man, I need to be in fellowship. I need to get sink. You come to Wednesday night Bible study. You go to church on a Sunday. You get with believers and your brothers and sisters that picks you up. Amen. You have joy in the Lord. I don't even ask for a raise of hands because I just see all these heads bobbing up and down. Amen. We all know that. Fellowship is a huge key for our joy. In fact, it's interesting. Uh, the 2 Corinthians 1.24 says, we are workers with you for your joy. That's what I'm working at today. I'm working for your joy. I want you to have the joy of the Lord. But as we fellowship together, we encourage one another because we desire each other's good end. Amen? We desire each other to be blessed. So we encourage each other. We love on each other. We, we see how we can minister one to another. We're not perfect. You know, you look to Jesus for perfection. But he uses us in perfect people to encourage one another. That's important that we get this. In fact, I love uh, Psalm 133. When I was thinking about this, I was, starting to th- I was trying to think of different passages that related to this, this joy that we have you know, and I, and I thought of one of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 133. It says, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard coming down upon the edge of his robe, robes. That's a lot of oil. Just a little bit of oil was expensive in those days. Took a lot of, you know, squeezing really hard, a bunch of, you know, depends on what you got the oil from, but say, for instance, olives to get oil. That was a ton of oil. And oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit, who's the source of our joy. And oil, I mean, is a healing agent to heal physically. For us, we use oil all the time. You use Vaseline. How many use, raise your hand, how many use chapstick from time to time? Anybody? Look at that. You, that's oil, okay? But guess what? He's talking about the oil that has to do with the heart here. God heals the brokenhearted, and it comes through fellowship. And then he goes on to say, listen to this. It's like the dew of Hermon. It's like the dew of Hermon. Okay, it's not talking about some guy named Hermon or Hermon monster. It's talking about Mount Hermon, actually. It's like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forever. Zion is Jerusalem. That's a long way from Mount Hermon. I've been to both several times. And guess what? Mount Hermon's in the north. And it's really, it's huge, big, beautiful. Has snow on top most of the year. But guess what? When you're in the south and you're in Jerusalem, it can get really, really, really hot. And they didn't have air conditioning in those days. And then when the northerly winds would come through Mount Hermon and blow all the way into Jerusalem, guess what? That dew, that cold air from Mount Hermon would come in and refresh those in Jerusalem. You'd look so forward to those winds. Those then, they didn't even know they were, were, God knew, and he told them right here, this is what's going on here. And we know what's going on now. But most of them have clueless, where's that cool air coming from? And how is it so cool? And well, guess what? The wind is a picture of the Holy Spirit. The oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. That refreshment from being in fellowship with other believers who know Jesus, who have the Holy Spirit, will refresh you and pick you up. Amen? And bring you joy. And, And oil, by the way, is also associated with joy. Oil is associated with joy. In fact, it says that Jesus was anointed with joy of Gladys above his fellows. 
Okay, anointed speaks of the oil uh, representing the Holy Spirit. And he had more joy than anyone. Jesus is the most joyful person in the universe. That's why we ultimately seek our joy in knowing him. Amen? Praise God. Number 10, perspective. Perspective. And by the way, this is one of the biggest ones by far. Because this is where most Christians end up failing. They end up having a limited view of what God's doing, and they get honed in on a, a circumstance that they're going through, and they lose their mind sometimes. They, get, they just get all worried and bummed out and upset and bitter toward other people in the midst of some experience they're going through, instead of looking at the big picture. I'm not saying you guys. I'm not saying you never go through this either. But, I don't, you know, but I'm talking about Christians that I've met in the past. Sometimes they just get focused on what they're going through, and they don't see the big picture, and they don't trust the Lord for the outcome in regard to the big picture. In fact, let me give you an example that even things that seem positive, if you get your joy from them and you focus on those things, as a believer, even ministry can rob you of the joy that the Lord wants you to have. How do I mean? Jesus sent his disciples on a mission trip. He told them what to do. They came back. They had cast out a bunch of demons. They were dealing with demon-possessed people. They were casting these demons out of these people, and these people were being set free. And they came to Jesus, and they were all excited, talking about even the demons that obey us. Amen? They were rejoicing. What did Jesus say? Don't rejoice that you have power over the demons, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. What's the point there? The point is this. Oh, you can be thankful that God's delivering people, and there could be some joy in that, but that shouldn't be your main focus, guys. Your main focus is you should rejoice in your salvation in Jesus, amen? Because guess what? There's gonna come times for the disciples. What if they can't cast out a demon? And that happened, remember that? They came back, Lord, they're all bummed out. We tried to cast out a demon, it wouldn't come out. Guess what? If your whole joy comes from ministry and how successful it is, you're gonna be bummed out. But if your joy comes from knowing the Lord and being saved and you're trusting Jesus, that's not going to change, amen? So it should be a constant source of joy. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In fact, it's interesting. I was reading in the book of Acts where in chapter 13, verses 51 and 52, where they were struggling in their ministry as far as people not accepting. But listen to what it says. Acts 13, 51 and 52. But they shook off the dust of their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. These are different people that set aside God's word, rejected God's word. They wiped the dust of their feet even as Jesus taught and they went out to minister somewhere else. Does it say then they were bummed out because they were just so depressed for the rest of their lives? No. It says, and the disciples, very next word, very next verse, and the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Wow. That's because they knew that's part of the deal and they know that our joy comes from the Lord. And in Acts chapter 14, the next chapter, it says in verse 22, that they went about strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. They know that that was part of the deal and that our joy comes from knowing the Lord and where we're going to spend eternity. That's what the perspective thing is. See, right now, we are on a journey to either heaven or hell. If you're a Christian, you're trusting Jesus, you're on a journey to heaven. What people do is they get the journey confused with the destination. You understand what I'm saying? I, I really occurred to me when I thought about this. And I, you hear emergent say, it's not about the destination, emergent church leaders. It's not about the, the destination, it's about the journey. Just, you know, enjoy the journey. Well, if you just get focused on the journey, you're not going to have any joy. In fact, you can have a very turbulent plane ride. And if you think that that's the end, well, then you're going to be really freaked out. Especially when you're bouncing up and down and 
And then the, and the pilot says, the motor's out and you know, it's all over. And you know, but guess what? When you recognize no matter how tough your life gets, this is just the journey and the destination is God's heavenly kingdom forever. doesn't matter how turbulent it gets here. You can still have joy. Amen. You with me? In fact, as I considered this, uh, you know, I started to think, wow, you know, if you're on a journey to a horrific place, then the journey and the place would be terrible. But if you've been to some really pretty places, you know, I've never been to Fiji, but I heard it's beautiful. Uh, well, we went to Hawaii years and years and years ago. That was beautiful. But heaven, God's kingdom, makes those places look like a cesspool, to be honest. And since I'm on a journey, it doesn't matter how rough it gets, I want to be focused on the Lord and where I'm headed forever. And that caused a lot of journey. So the turbulence gets really bad. So it gets really sad at times. Yes, we want to deal with the journey as well and try to help people through the journey. That's what I'm, this message is all about. But it's by focusing on the destination and Jesus that we get through this. In fact, listen to this. I want to read some verses to you, and this is the key. Notice the trials that the apostles, the Lord deals with here. And notice that the way they got victory was through knowing something, knowing the bigger picture. Otherwise, the circumstances they were in would depress them, would cause them to lose their joy, but they were called to know something. Listen to this. Hebrews 10, 34. You had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. You joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, he says, since you knew, you knew something. How could we joyfully accept the plundering of our property? That sounds ridiculous. They could, how? You knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. So the joy of knowing the Lord and knowing that we have a home in heaven exceeds the loss that we have here on earth if we have a biblical, eternal perspective. Do you have an eternal perspective? That is huge. In fact, Jesus said in Luke chapter 22, verse 22 and 23, blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice, rejoice, he says in that day. What? And leap for joy. Woo, leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. There it is, the eternal perspective. You have a great reward in heaven. Rejoice and be glad for you. Great is your reward in heaven. Matthew 5, 11, and 12. The Beatitudes, blessed. Makarios again. Same word used for blessed are those whose sins aren't credited to them. Blessed are you, Jesus said, when they insult you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for great is your reward in heaven. There it is again. Not blessed are you if you're rich and famous. No, rejoice even when you're persecuted, going through the worst of circumstances because God's going to bless you in the end. Amen? Praise God. How about this one? Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Verse 28. For we know that God works. We know, there's a knowledge again. We know that God works all things together for the good for those who love him or the called according to his purpose. Guess what? When it doesn't matter what we're going through. If we keep our perspective that what we get later is way beyond whatever suffering we get here and we keep that knowledge in mind and you draw attention, this is what you need to do is remind yourself God's working for the good. And not only is it something just to get you through, it's also, it's like, it's a reality. It's not psyching yourself up, it's facing reality. It's the reality, guys, you get it? It's just facing reality, praise God. You've been listening to pastor and author Joe Schimmel on the Good Fight Radio Show. To learn more about Good Fight Ministries, please visit goodfightradio.org, where we feature many eye-popping and life-changing resources on DVD and CD, as well as an archive of previously aired shows. 
You can visit our podcast page at goodfightradio.org to find many of Pastor Joe's full Sunday morning teachings. If you've been blessed by this show and would like to share this blessing with others, you can help support our ministry by visiting our donate page also at goodfightradio.org. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We thank you for tuning in. Join us next time on the Good Fight Radio Show. Just one thing